I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Hello, hello. I want to welcome you to The Courageous Podcast today. I'm your host, Madeline Hernandez, and today we have Rhea Story from Alabama. Like many, Rhea faced adversity early in life. Rhea was sexually abused by her father from age 12 to 19, forced to play the role of his wife, and even shared with other men. Desperate to escape, she left home at 19 without a job, a car, or even a high school diploma. Today, Rhea is a motivational leadership speaker, a TEDx speaker, and author of 13 books, including Leadership Gems for Women. Rhea has nearly 20 years of experience in leadership and management. Rhea founded Fearfully and Wonderfully Me, empowering women to become the leaders they are destined to be. Rhea, I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you, Madeline. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, Rhea, I had said to you when we spoke that I had been following you on LinkedIn for some time, and I wanted to say that, you know, you too have been encouraging me for quite some time as I've gone through my own struggles the last maybe year or two. And so I thought, hey, you know what? I know she's a busy lady, but let me reach out to her and see if she would share her story. I didn't know your entire story. I just knew that you had been through some difficult things. And so I wanted to hear it directly from you. And so I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today and share your amazing story. And so, you know, take us down that path as you were growing up and tell a little bit about what you went through. The thing about adversity, I think, is that my story is unfortunately not that uncommon, but it's not everyone's story, right? But every single one of us is part of the human experience is that we all go through adversity. And for me, the powerful thing was realizing that what happens to us in life doesn't have to define us for the rest of our lives. It influences us. It affects us. Absolutely. But it doesn't determine us. And so that was powerful for me because there were some, you know, really dark years throughout, you know, my teenager and starting at age 12 and my father starting to sexually abuse me and that progressed as I got older, as he got bolder. You know, by the time I was 17, he was regularly having sex with me and bargaining with me for sexual favors in exchange for something like a night out uh, with my friends. And he always said in his words that that he wanted to give me the ultimate experience in life. And that looked like beating me black and blue with a riding crop. It meant taking nude photographs of me or later even trafficking me to men he would meet off the Internet. And there were times when life was almost not worth living right? And I thought about it, a tub of warm water and a razor blade. And going through that difficult time, I think the the thing that most of us can relate to is when we're going through a season that's hard, a season of hardship or adversity, it's much like a fog that just kind of descends on you. You don't really have a lot of hope for the future because you can't necessarily see a way out of the fog. But what's true for all of us is we know we have to just keep going, right? And we can get through to the other side, but we can't stop. Things won't get better if we just sit there. You know, when you were telling me your story, I remember asking you if your mom was aware of what was going on. 
And you know, I don't think that there was a way she could not have been just living in our house and, and the environment and the circumstances. Whether she chose to ignore that, I can't uh, speak for her, but, but certainly she should have been aware. Um, and it's hard to believe that she wasn't. But after I left, I, you know, I confronted her and I shared what had been going on. And at the time, she blamed me for it. And she does even to this day. And that's unfortunate. It's her choice. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that when they don't share and they finally come out and they share, like you said, it's not uncommon where a parent doesn't believe that this has happened. And I just don't understand why a parent wouldn't believe something so graphic and so painful. And I'm sure she had an inkling that it was happening and maybe it it was easier for her to ignore it versus trying to deal with it head on. And so do you have a relationship with your parents today? No. Um, After I left home at 19, I haven't had any relationship with them. And, you know, it's not about being bitter. Um, I certainly, you know, I knew early on I couldn't have articulated it, but I knew soon after I left that I just had to let go and move on with my life and not holding bitterness in my heart because that really impacts me. So, you know, there can be forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences in a relationship. I think it's Rick Warren who said, forgiveness is about the past, but trust is about future. And so Mm. part of that for me is just that natural realization that there's a complete boundary there. And I I can't see that there would ever be a relationship. That's right. Well, you do, you have to find a way to forgive and let go because you're right. You're only hurting yourself more. You're just living in the past. And if you would have done that, you would not have achieved what you have in the last 20 years and helped other people. And so I wanted to go back a little bit. How did your dad introduce the idea of being trafficked? Um, You know, he always said in in his words, he wanted to to me to have the ultimate experience in life. And that was the way he presented it, is this is an ultimate experience and trying to manipulate me, you know, psychologically, certainly. And, you know, religion was part of our our home, religion, quote unquote. And part of the psychological manipulation was always saying that God had given me to him. He was in an apparently unsatisfactory relationship with my mother, but but they didn't believe in divorce. And so he always presented it as God's given you to me kind of thing. I share that because I think a lot of people struggle with doubts or questions like why God causes pain in our lives. And and for me, I think it's it's not that God causes it, but he allows it, right? God doesn't cause the pain in our lives, but he can use it. And so I I really had to make that distinction because my father would use religion in a a way to control me or manipulate me, presenting these ideas of experiences, quote unquote, and trying to make that sound reasonable and logical. And and it doesn't at the end of the day, right? I knew that this wasn't Mm -hmm. right, but I, you know, I didn't know any other way to deal with it. You know, it's people always ask the same question, you know, did you have any friends or family that you think you could have gone to to help you during those early years? You know, I had uh, a few, not very many friends um, growing up very isolated. We were homeschooled. We didn't go to church. We didn't go to school. Uh, but there, you know, I had a few uh, peers my age, sort of, and not a lot of contact with them. So it was very limited. But um, friends, family, a few family members, even friends, parents noticed that that something wasn't right, that my behavior was strange or that my father's behavior towards me, even like at family gatherings and stuff. Everybody mm. wondered 
um, or, or suspected that something was going on, but no one wanted to get involved. No one wanted to ask the mm. hard questions. You know, there again, my father presented to the world that he was very religious and that we were, you know, a very strict Christian home and people would see the mm. discrepancies, but no one was willing to challenge him. I mean, I'm sure it was probably even scary for them to even touch a subject like that. And for you, very difficult, because like you said, you grew up isolated. And so knowing that you couldn't share that with anybody and you had to kind of deal with it on your own must have been really, really difficult. And so down the road, you said that, you know, you were going through this from like 12 to 19. You ended up meeting somebody special. Tell me about that. Sure. Um, uh, When I was 19 years old, I met what I I call him my knight in a shiny Camaro. Um, when I was 19, I met my now husband, Mac. And, you know, 20 something years later, we've long since gotten rid of the Camaro he was driving back then. But uh, but I kept him. And, you know, he was really the first person to give me the confidence and the courage to leave. You know, I tried to run away from home several times before. My dad would always find me and bring me back. But, you know, Mac was the first person to ever just come out and ask me. He's like, I think this is some of what's going on in your life. Is this what your dad's doing? And he was the first person to ever just ask. And... Hmm. He got far more than he bargained for, I'm sure, because he he had no idea of the depth. But he was the one who's like, it stops today. He's like, you can go to the police. You can go live with your grandparents. You know, he's like, but Mm -hmm. you're not going back to that situation. And so I do call him my knight in a a shiny Camaro because he really gave me the confidence and the courage to to leave for good. And that's powerful. Oh, yeah. And why did you trust him? Uh, Well, we'd been seeing each other for several months at that point. So this wasn't a conversation the first night, but after, you know, I'd been sneaking out of the house in order to see him and, you know, he, he picked up on some signs and, you Mm -hmm. know, just there again, I think part of it was, he was the first person to ever ask me. And that's a lot of trust, right? He extended that trust to me by bringing up a tough, that's gotta be a tough thing to ask somebody. I'm, I've never been on that side, but but that's hard, especially in a relationship. And, but, you know, there again, he was, he was determined that, that if this was going on, it was going to stop and, and he wasn't going to just let it continue. And I think for me, you know, it was really, it was really difficult to trust, but everything I've seen in him up to that point had really helped me believe that he was, you know, someone of character. And I think that builds trust, right? That builds trust and influence when someone has the character and the courage to help us stand up for ourselves. He helped you to take that first step. Um, I'm so glad that he had the courage to ask as uncomfortable and probably even scary as that could have been for him. I'm so glad that he did that because it really changed things for you. And so you had said that you left home with nothing, like you said, no high school diploma, but you decided to pursue your education. Why was education so important to you? You know, Madeline, I wanted to be independent. I think it was important to me, having having left such a, a terrible situation from the very beginning, you know, I wanted to be able to support myself. I wanted to be independent. I didn't want to be any in any way dependent on someone else. And so initially I was determined. I was like, I'm just going to go get a job. And you don't have many job options when you don't have a high school diploma, no experience, you know? (laughs) And the only job that I could find was working as a waitress at Pizza Hut. And I speak for a lot of high school groups and youth groups these days. And I I love to ask those kids, I'm, I'm like, how much money you think I was making? Like back before most of them were born, you know? 
And they're like, oh, $10 an hour, $15 an hour. I'm like, no, (laughs) $2.13 an hour plus some tips to bust dirty tables and pick up half-eaten pizza crust off the floor. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, right? We all start somewhere and that's where I started, but it only took till I got the first paycheck to realize that's not what I want to do the rest of my life. But the job of my dreams wasn't going to come find me at Pizza Hut, right? And I think a lot of times in life, we want things to be different, but we have to realize that we have to do something different. If we want to change or improve our circumstances, we can't wait on anybody else to do it because nobody else will ever fight for our dreams as hard as we should. That's right. That is so true. You know, that's a funny point that you make, not to get off topic, but when a young person says to me, yeah, well, the job only pays $15. That's Mm -hmm. not enough. I'm like, what? (laughs) Are you you kidding me? Like, (laughs) do you know how long it took me to make $15? (laughs) When I was making $8, I thought I arrived. I was making money. Yes. How different things have changed. I, I think I made like three fifty five an hour or something like that in my first job. So yeah, these kids, they have a lot to learn, you know, about life. And so I remember you saying that you never spoke about your story and you kind of just learned to cope with it because of the shame, which is very, very common. And you didn't want to be a victim, you know, mm. of what had happened to you. So one day you go to a speaking event to hear Les Brown, which is an amazing speaker and leader. And, you know, you said that he had shared just a simple little quote that said, you have a story to share and someone needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that day, something changed for you. What changed Uh, that day? Absolutely. I think it was that moment that kind of that seed was planted in me that said, you know what? I have a story to share, but I don't want to share it. I worked really hard to leave my past behind me. I didn't want people to see me as a victim. I didn't want people to know about my, my past. And, you know, hearing Les Brown speak and him saying, you know, you have a story, but someone needs to hear your story. It really planted that seed that said, if I can encourage someone by helping them realize that I've come through what I've come through, they can come through, you know, something that they're facing. Some, you know, maybe again, their story may not be my story, but all of us face hardships and adversity. If I can help them realize that what happens to us is not as important as who we become because of it, it gives me purpose and it gives me meaning, right? And perspective in saying, you know what, I'm not grateful for what I went through, but I'm grateful for who mm-hmm. I've become because of it. There's no doubt I'm a, I'm a different person today. It's affected me, but I get to decide how. And if I can help empower someone else with that realization, then that's worth doing. But it took me several months. You know, that wasn't an overnight, it was an overnight seed that got planted that took six months to sprout. For some people, it takes even longer. You know, Mm. it's really a journey. If you've been on this difficult journey for years and years and years, you know, you're not going to really completely heal in a very short period of time. It's a process and it's going to take time. That's what people need to understand that, you know, once you forgive, that doesn't mean that you just forget it as Mm. if it never happened. You're continuously making sure that you're not allowing the circumstances to dictate the future. And every day you're working towards just being a better person and not allowing that to, you know, to define you. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you, Ria, what was your motivation to push through all of this adversity that you faced, you know, at such a young age? You know, I think for me, it was just, 
realizing that I could spend the rest of my life blaming my lack of success in life for, for what happened to me. And I wasn't willing to do that, right? Because the moment we start blaming someone or something else for our lack of success in life is the moment we give away our freedom to change it, to improve it. But, you know, we blame other people because there's only one other choice, right? And certainly we don't control everything that happens. We don't cause everything that happened. I didn't cause, you know, what happened to me. But I am responsible for how I respond, right? Stephen Covey calls it being proactive. He says human beings have the freedom to pause and choose a response when something happens. And that means we are response able. And then he does something pretty cool. He says, if we are response able, then he slides them together and says, we are therefore responsible for the choices we make. Again, we don't cause what happens to us, but we are responsible for how we respond to it. And every time we respond in a positive, proactive way, we increase our options, opportunities, improve our circumstances, maybe not immediately, but with time. And for me, again, I couldn't have put it in those words back then, but I knew I wasn't willing to let what happened to me hold me back the rest of my life. That's great. A little nugget that I can kind of take with me as well. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll ask people, is there anything that you would have done differently on this journey? Certainly, I can look back at times I could have done things better or, you know, gone a different route. Um, But I think it's appreciation for, like you say, for realizing the steps that have come before have brought me to here. Now, hopefully, Mm -hmm. if I I look back and say, oh, I could have taken a a shorter route or maybe not run into a detour, I can learn that lesson for the future. But I think all of us can look back at our journey and say, you know what, it may have not been the most direct route, but it brought me to where I am today. My challenge is just to look forward and say, knowing where I am and and knowing where I want to go, I have to continually ask myself, is what I'm about to do going to take me in the direction that I want to go? And I think that's important, right? Reflect on the past, but look forward towards the future. Absolutely. I love that. And so I know you've been sharing your story for a long time, obviously, and, and you're doing so many great things, pouring into people and lifting them up. Why did you decide to share your story today? I I think it's always a privilege because there again, my mission is to help people realize that, you know, the things that happen to us in life, they can be terrible, they can be awful, and they absolutely affect us. I like to use the analogy that they they refine us rather than define us, right? Because they shape us. And certainly it's like sandpaper is very rough, but it has the capability of smoothing away the rough edges on whatever it is that it's sanding down. And I think Mm -hmm. life is like that. It can be very rough, but it can shape us into something smoother when we allow it to. Mm -hmm. And that's a good analogy because sometimes the sandpaper is rough and it might be painful, right? I think most of us can relate to it. I'm like, if you haven't been through something tough in your life, just wait, just keep living. It's coming. Right. And that's my motivation. Every time I share my story, whether I'm speaking at a large conference or speaking at a women's group or a youth group, you know, I don't share my story so anyone will feel sorry for me. I share my story so that everybody can look at me and say, if she can overcome what she went through, so can I. And you know, that's really the basis of why I started Courageous is because many times we forget the difficult places that we've been you know, a lot of times when something new happens, I'll go back and say, hey, listen, 
I was courageous already. Mm. You know, I went through this, you know, six months ago and look at where I am today and how I've overcome. So it's almost like you have to go back to remember that you are strong enough to overcome the next obstacle because it's kind of preparing you right for that next thing. And so that was the basis of courageous is letting people know that no matter what you've been through, you will get through this too, but you have to fight Mm. and you have to believe and you have to have faith that this is just a season and that things are going to get better. Mm. And so I love that you shared that. And so, you know, if there's somebody that's listening right now that maybe they're in the situation that you're in, you know, maybe they're a parent that is going through something with their child and they've been abused or molested. Or maybe there's a young girl that's listening and says, that's me right now. What do I do? What would you say to her right now to encourage her? The one best piece of advice I can give is to develop yourself, invest in yourself. And the reason I say that is we've all heard of the term of post-traumatic stress. And that's true. When you go through something or are going through something, there's stress associated with it. But I'm also a fan of the concept of post-traumatic growth, right? There's no doubt we can grow as a result of coming through an obstacle or challenge. But it doesn't happen automatically, right? That growth is not necessarily going to happen automatically, right? We have to be willing to, you know, reflect on our experiences, learn from them, grow from them. And the thing about our obstacles and problems in life is they're not able to get any bigger, but we can grow. And that's one of the ways that we can overcome them. So I'm a big fan of post-traumatic growth, but I'm also a fan of pre-traumatic growth, right? What if we could grow and develop ourselves a little bit every single day so that when we have problems in the future, we are better equipped to deal with them, right? It's changing changing our mindset. And the only way we can do that is to grow and learn, whether it's reading books, personal growth, listening to great podcasts, or watching TEDx talks. There's so much information available to us, but we have to be willing to put the discipline in and learn something new every single day. Yeah, it's a shame. I know so many amazing people that are stuck and have been in a difficult place for a long time. Mm. And you just hope that they will do something different to create mm-hmm. change in their lives. And and I just continue to pray for them and encourage them. But there's just something inside that either they haven't yet forgiven the situation or you know the fact that they've been hurt or that they're just afraid to take that step and move forward. But there's always hope that something or someone as Les Brown did for you will Mm -hmm. impart some words of wisdom and say, hey, I need to stop. I need to get up and I need to fight and I need to move forward for me, not necessarily for anybody else. But even to the fact of there's a reason that you went through what you went through, Rhea, because God knew that he could use you to encourage and empower thousands of people. And so that's one of the things that I tell people all the time. Even if your story just touches one person, you have done something amazing. And that's why we need to continue to press forward. And so Ria, what does life look like for you today, with you and your husband and your family? Well, Mac and I are, I call it his mine and ours. Um, We both are speaking and writing books. His lane is blue collar leadership, which is leadership development for the blue collar workforce and those who lead them. And then mine is specifically for empowering women, personal and professional leadership to help women increase their influence and improve their leadership skills. But we, most of the time we speak together, you know, whether we're speaking for a blue collar group or whether we're speaking to a a women's group, most of the time we speak together because the 
audience enjoys it. It's much more dynamic. So if we're on the road speaking or doing leadership training, traveling and, and busy, if we're home, we might be writing books or doing podcasts and things like that. You know, every day is full. Somebody once asked me, how long do you work every day? I'm like, it I get up and I do what I do every day, all day, but it's not work because it's really in alignment with my purpose and passion. I love that. I love, I could imagine you two, the dynamic duo, you know, tag teaming <laughs> and, and, you know, knowing what's coming next. And I love that. And that is, it's great to see a husband and a wife team teaching and speaking. And because we've been together for so long too, you know each other very well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Ria, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. This was a great, great conversation. I pray blessings upon you and Mac and everything that you guys are doing to continue to encourage and inspire people. I pray blessings uh, for 2022. (laughs) I look forward to following you and continuing to see all the great things that you're doing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Madeline. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.